Welcome to Across the Desk and our new series, The Future Looks Good. We're focusing on autism and employment and connecting you to resources that can help your future look good. You are the future. The future looks good. everybody and welcome to Across the Desk. We're continuing with our series called The Future Looks Good, which focuses on autism, employment, and, and basically all things autism. Um, <laughs> Paulette just made a funny face. Uh, so I'm welcoming my, my co-host and my business partner and my sister from another mister. No, that's too far. <laughs> my, fellow, <laughs> my fellow crazy person, Paulette Goddard. Hi, everyone. Nice to see you all again. <laughs> I would just like to say to our audience, you're welcome for us not providing video today because damn, <laughs> we're fully embracing the COVID not awesome. Well, I am. I shouldn't say that. Paulette looks lovely, but yeah. Today's a track pant day and I don't wear track pants like ever. So that tells you what the rest of the situation is. It's not pretty. So a little while ago, um, ran into a bit of a situation and uh, ended up, you know, it, it worked, nothing to do with autism actually, but it was about somebody's behavior um, and why it was happening. And I was really confuzzled because it just, anyway, it didn't make sense to me. And I have a good friend who is a, a fellow John C. Maxwell coach, and she also has other qualifications. And I reached out and I said, I, I need some help making sense of this. And what we came to the conclusion was that if you are an individual who spends a lot of time alone, sometimes that can confirm your personal biases towards certain behaviors, or it can encourage behavior patterns that aren't necessarily positive, because there's nobody there to, you know, what's that check check yourself or check your mess or whatever it is mm -hmm. and it got me thinking right like it you know if you're if you're dealing with the pandemic alone right now that's one thing because that has an end but if you are consistently alone for whatever reason how does that impact your ability to be social whether you're neurotypical or neurodivergent neurodiverse right? Because it has an impact no matter what. And so I propose to Paulette that we talk about it because there's a misconception um, about the autism community that they prefer to be alone, that that's their modus operandi. And that's, and that's so wrong. However, we also wanted to debunk, you know, if somebody on the spectrum has said, well, it's okay for me to be alone and, and that's what I'm supposed to be because that's what society says and that makes it okay and, you know, many other things. We want to debunk that as well because both of them are hokum. So we've broken today up into um, talking about alone and lonely mm -hmm. and what's the difference and at work being social, family, relationships, yada, yada, yada. And without their permission, <laughs> we're welcoming uh, Casey Remrov Vormer and his book, Connecting with the Autism Spectrum, How to Talk, How to Listen, and Why You Shouldn't Call It High Functioning. And I'm telling you, if you want your mind blown, go visit this guy's website, Rem, what is it, remrovsartwork.com, mm -hmm. pen and ink artist, holy mackerel mini. Fantastic. And then um, a friend of ours, Michael McCreary, wrote a great book a couple of years ago called Funny You Don't Look Autistic, A Comedian's Guide to Life on the Spectrum. And both of these young men talk about being social, lonely versus alone, and their perspective on that situation. Mm -hmm. And then we've got some great articles that we're going to share as well. Mm -hmm. So in your vast experience vast long-standing experience yes, I'm, <laughs> yes okay she's 680 um yeah. 630 giving me a break 630 there we are on you know day 200 and 
54 of the pandemic. So, you know, we've all aged like 600 years by now. What's been your experience with the, like the perceptions you've run into with loneliness versus alone? With the work that I do, a lot of people will say that people on the spectrum are alone. They like to be alone. They spend all their time alone. But that's not what they do when they come to see me. They ask me, how do I get make friends? How do I develop relationships? How do I get? And what is perceived is not what is really happening in the autistic mind. People say, well, they like to be alone. Well, so do a lot of introverts like to be alone at times. Because Elizabeth and I can both tell you we're introverts. Yep. We like to be alone. We need our downtime. We need to recover from having a hectic schedule for the day. And that's what we do. But people on the spectrum, even though they might be uh, introverts, they still need to have that connection. They still need to meet people, talk to people and have friendships and develop these friendships. Well, let's talk about first, sorry, the difference between alone versus lonely. Okay. Alone. By definition is I don't know. You're the genius. <laughs> <laughs> Let's look it up. Ask Merriam Webster. Yeah. Having no one else present. <laughs> there you go. That's pretty in depth. So alone is, is really different, but lonely is more of the feelings. It's more of the emotion yeah. behind being alone. It's, it's, and a lot of people do have a lot of challenges with this lonely feeling. Well, I, you got me thinking when we started talking about it, is part of the misconception driven by the fact that society as a whole pushes people to not be alone and mm -hmm. that those who are uncomfortable being alone perceive others who choose to be alone as lonely yes right yes. so part of the, the other part of it is that um a lot of neurotypicals do not understand the interactions and the uh unusual, I don't want to say unusual behaviors, but the different social interactions that people on the spectrum give. Yeah. And when a person on the spectrum is with a group of people at a party, but they seem to be sitting on the outskirts, they are enjoying themselves. They are listening to conversations. They are having That's a good one time. of the articles. Yeah. We yeah. do not, they do not have to be involved in the main part of the conversation, listening to 10 people talk at a time. They just like to listen and hear if they have something to say, they'll say it and they say it clearly. But yeah. sometimes they just don't need to have that social interaction that all these lovely extrovert people need to have on a daily basis for 24 hours at a time. Oh, I'd lose my eye. So I'm an ambivert, you know, which I'm not, I don't know if that's a common phrase, but I've been tested a few times. So the difference, and we'll just clarify this as well, and then we'll talk about lonely. Um, when we talk about introvert, extrovert, and we are no way saying that all people on the spectrum are introverted. We are no way saying that everybody on the spectrum is extroverted. Everybody's an individual. My son is extremely extroverted, but he's also comfortable being alone and he also experiences loneliness. Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm an ambivert where I can be in a social situation and be fully in the conversation and everybody thinks I'm like this whack job, which is true. Um, but rest of those folks probably go home and feel very, you know, supercharged and excited about spending that much time and that much energy with other people. Whereas I need to go home and recover for a couple of hours and be quiet because I've put so much energy into being extroverted. Mm -hmm. By the same token, I rarely feel lonely that's a very rare thing for me, but I love being alone. Mm -hmm. Totally get it. Yeah. It doesn't bother me. And I'll, I'll tell you, I don't know if I shared this with you before, but a number of years ago, one of my best jobs in my life was working for Girl Guides of Canada. And the building that we were in was divided into two halves. I was on one side with one staff member and the rest of the team, which was another five ladies, was on the other side. Solid wall dividing us, single door in between. And that was done intentionally because my role uh, within the organization involved a lot of people coming in to see me mm -hmm. and we didn't want anybody else to be disturbed, right? And, and Pam was um, my, I don't know, space mate, whatever you want to call it. Um, and she was fine with that. So Pam ended up breaking her foot. She had to take a significant amount of time off work. And so I was left on my own on that side. And after about a week, my boss came over and she said, so Elizabeth, 
you know, we're a little concerned. You're over here on your own and you're alone and you're alone and are you lonely? And I let her, because that would be the common society expectation that me as somebody who talks a lot would be lonely, right? And I said, Barb, <laughs> best manager ever, by the way. I said, I really appreciate your concern, but I'm okay. Well, what do you mean? I said, it's got nothing to do with whoever sits in that chair. So my colleague's chair, it's nothing personal to her. I said, but I am totally fine over here on my own. And if I feel the need to be social, I can just walk through the door and come over and harass you guys. Mm -hmm. She's like, oh, I said, yeah, don't ever worry. I'm like, <laughs> for a short period of time, Barb and I both had to be upstairs because we'd had a fire in the space. Um, and I was okay with that too, because I would just toddle down the stairs if I needed to say hi to somebody. <laughs> and other than that, they were all away and it was great. So I think society has a lot to do with this mm -hmm. and this perception. And there's so many people, and I'm sure you've experienced this with colleagues and whatever, who are so uncomfortable with being alone. Yeah. Oh yeah. That they put that fear or that whatever onto other folks. Mm -hmm. it, it's Are definitely we stop there? yeah you can stop there <laughs> um so this is this is a good overview of what we're talking about because a lot of people feel this loneliness thing but let's let's just i'm going to read the study here in 2017 the national autistic society of uk found that autistic individuals are four times as likely to suffer from isolation and loneliness than neurotypical individuals 79% of autistic people report reported feeling lonely. Now it says here that's an alarming amount of, of individuals because if you're looking at one in a hundred people being diagnosed with autism, yeah. that's a lot of people who are feeling lonely. Versus enjoying being alone. Yes. And it, again, um, for a lot of people, the people on the spectrum are likely to suffer from loneliness because of the symptoms of autism, such as the inability to recognize social norms and perceived odd behavior like lack of eye contact, don't necessarily make them social butterflies. Considering the over overwhelming statistics, you might be one of the many who are suffering from social isolation, hoping for some way to alleviate your loneliness. So this is by a person with autism who's written this article. It's called The Loneliness Epidemic in the Autistic Community. And it's and by it's, it's by a group called adult adultistics. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and it's it's just clearly describes what a lot of clients I I see they face they they are always alone. They could be working full time, and some of them are, but they're still alone because they don't have that social connection. So that's different, though, right? So we have to maintain that clarity that even though they're working full time and whatever, it's not that they're alone. That's the problem. It's that they're lonely. Lonely, yes. Because as we've discussed before, trying to create social situations at work can be extremely difficult, mm -hmm. um, especially if you misread sort of the timelines. And that was in um, uh, Casey's book. And he was, I've got to try and find that page. Just a moment. Uh, he was, he got along better with his um, teachers. Okay, so what he says, oh, here it is here. Okay. Some people think autistic people aren't interested in socializing or that they don't want uh, any friends. Even though many autistic people can entertain themselves perfectly well, we do have the need to have friends and relationships just like everybody else. Making friends and maintaining friendships comes with a lot of expectations, common conflicts, confusions, and misunderstandings that can be challenging for autistic people. Uh, so he goes on to relate. Now, this is a brave guy. This is a guy who lived in the Netherlands, got involved in an online relationship, and moved from another country to come and live in Montreal to be with the person that he'd had his, I think he identified as his first romantic relationship. So this is not a shy, like... He's not a wallflower. Like this guy's got some cajones. On top of that, he's a fantastically talented artist that shares all of that with the world. What he says here though, even though I've always been kind of a loner, for many reasons, I was excruciatingly lonely. 
Being alone and feeling lonely are two different things. One can be alone and be completely happy, but one can also be in a classroom, a group, or a crowd and feel extremely lonely. When a person doesn't fit in and doesn't have the feeling of belonging anywhere, it can have a huge effect on their well-being. And then it goes on to how do we help? So what he tried to do to solve the situation is, <laughs> poor guy, he, every now and then, when I really felt that I was connecting with a teacher, I would invite them to do something fun together. Mm -hmm. Oh, Ben. Mm -hmm. This always turned into a disappointment because their response was that they wanted to keep work life and private life separate. That's fair. Mm -hmm. But he tried over and over again to, to transition a relationship that probably shouldn't have gone there. Mm -hmm. Right. To counterbalance the, the loneliness. Yeah. What was the other one? There was more in that article that it talked about the symptoms and the impact. Uh, well, it talks here about uh, the hermit myth. Mm -hmm. And many neurotypicals perceive us as outsiders and hermits who aren't interested in having friends or talking with people. But study after study shows that most of us benefit from having friends just like everyone else and not having them affects us deeply. For sure. Most autistic people are quite introverted, but introverts need to feel understood and communicate with people as much as everyone else. From an outside perspective, it may seem like this introverted behavior and avoidance of public space conversations is a result of having no want or need for social interaction. Autistic people themselves, however, report something quite different. We spend our lives trying, constantly trying to understand a social environment that wasn't designed with us in mind. So making friends isn't really as easy as it should be. Many describe their autism as a barrier between them and the rest of the world. And when you look at that barrier between them and the rest of the world, <clears throat> some people perceive that if you don't make eye contact when you're having a conversation, mm -hmm. you're not involved in the conversation. And that's not true. No, not at all. And it, you know, it used to make me, <laughs> excuse me, geez. Um, it used to make me a little nuts because of course, you know, as we've shared before, my son and Paulette's son are on the spectrum and boys do tend to get diagnosed earlier and exhibit symptoms earlier because for whatever reason, girls are more capable of masking and dealing and what have you. Mm -hmm. But I'd watch him on the playground when he was little. And I, I remember writing a blog post about it because it just broke my heart because he wanted to go over and he went over. But when kids get to a certain age, you know, and they already knew he was a little different at the time and, and what have you. And, and they were just not interested. And in their defense, they also didn't have the skill set to navigate that. Mm -hmm. And that could be part of what this comes down to is that it's not necessarily the person on the spectrum's inability to make friends or inability to connect. It's society's inability to understand how that needs to happen mm -hmm. and the lack of skill set and understanding to go, okay, well, you know, whatever the quirk might be, let's just, let's just, let's just move. Like it's a, it's a rare individual who can just move around it and recognize that, mm -hmm. This is something that we have to engage with. But yeah, it used to break my heart. Like he would try so hard. And I'd be like, just be nice. Can you just play with my son, please? But you don't want to get in the way because he's got to learn. Unless somebody was mean. And then I'd be like, hold up, Junior. <laughs> you need to back your truck up. A lot of people on the spectrum in their, their elementary and, and middle school scenarios will talk about bullying. Oh, yeah. Thomas was bullied horribly. So was my son. And it was basically because they were different. They communicate differently. They do things differently. They think differently. Well, quite frankly, everybody on the world, in the world, looks different, does things differently, and talks differently. It's just understanding and adapting to how everybody communicates. Fair, but I would suggest that the vast majority of neurotypicals place far more importance on that conformity mm -hmm. and will mm -hmm. give up their individuality in order to embrace that conformity. Yeah. And as somebody who did not mm -hmm. embrace conformity, I mean, <laughs> and by no means, I mean, I looked like every other, you know, teenage whatever in the 80s. Mm -hmm. 
but had no problem if somebody was acting like a jackass to be like, you're a jackass. Whereas everybody else would be like, but he's really popular and you have to be nice. I'm like, no, you're a wimp and he's a jackass. So that created things, some issues. One of the things you just mentioned was conformity. Mm -hmm. Now within Casey's book there, mm -hmm. he talks about how he became, he can conformed to the social norms of the time. He would watch other students in schools, what yeah. they would say, how they would say it, and he would then mimic them in other situations, saying the similar words, because that's how they socially engage. So he will try it to, so that he can be successful socially engaging. Yeah. Exactly. But it work. Eventually, yeah. people said, why are you saying that same thing every time we see each other? Yeah. Why are you doing this the same way every time? What's wrong with you? So again, following the rules that you've learned by observing others is not always going to be successful. You have to keep growing and changing all the social communication that you're, you're engaged in. It's not the same Some every flexibility. time. Yeah. And that's, you had brought that up and I had never considered it. A lot of, a lot of the dialogue that Thomas used when he was younger was from movies. Mm -hmm. And that's part and, of it. Yep, absolutely. And he, he had this, which I'm sure he still does, but he just doesn't share it anymore. Um, he had the ability to memorize movies, um, script, actions, everything. Mm -hmm. And one of the challenges, which is why we kept him away from shows like The Simpsons and what have you, because, you know, did not set a positive example. And he seemed to be gaining a lot of his social skills, air quotes, from those shows and i was like the last thing i need is for him pulling bart simpsons and whatever like he's just gonna get his teeth kicked in yeah but that's that actually ties into something we've talked about before which is the lack of um media portrayal positive media portrayal mm -hmm. and um the lack of resources although i've found we found a couple what was the one that we just found the aspie the YouTube channel that we just found. We'll find well, it by the end. There's a couple of different Aspie YouTube channels that do talk clearly about communication. Yes. But a lot of communication is learned by watching TV or watching video games. And yes. you'll often hear those things repeated. Um, I gotta find that. It was the Aspie. Sorry guys, I wish I had this up, but I, oh, is it Aspie World? Is that what it is? That's possibly one of them because that's quite a popular yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is a, a relatively new guy. He's relatively new to his diagnosis as well, mm -hmm. the Aspie world. And he, you know, fully admits ADD, anxiety, all kinds of other stuff, but he is really honest mm -hmm. um, about his situation and recommendations and what have you. So that's a resource to go and learn from somebody who is on the spectrum mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. versus, you know, Bart Simpson, who's... <laughs> no. No, no bueno. No, doesn't work. Doesn't work. Um, so, oh, he talks, oh, we, we have to do this book again. We're just going to do this book one day because it's so good. Um, and here's somebody that you would think would not have challenges socially. And now I've met Michael McCreary numerous times. He is Canadian. He is freaking hysterical. I've seen his act a number of times um, through us working with the Autism Job Club and, and met his dad, Doug, who's a phenomenal. And Michael on stage, he's kind of like Hannah Gadsby, where he's extremely well-spoken, very funny, very insightful, mm -hmm. but it does drain the heck out of him. And when you talk to him one-to-one, -one, you can tell that he's completely out of his comfort zone. Yes. With, you know, having said that, we were at one of the autism job club employment conferences and I turned and there's Michael McCreary holding court with, you know, four or five other people on the spectrum from the autism job club. And they were having a hoot. Yeah. Like it, that sounded very Iowan. I don't know, but they were just having a great time. Um, and what he shares in his book, and I, if you haven't seen it or you haven't bought it, highly recommend it. Funny. You don't look autistic by Michael McCreary. Um, he created a hero called Socially Awkward Man. <laughs> like, that's totally him. Oh my God, he was great. So he says here, everyone has a hero growing up. 
but as an autistic kid in the early 2000s, there weren't many high-profile names attached to autism that I could look up to. Sure, we had the great Temple Grandin, for whom he has opened numerous times, by the way, including for us, but I just couldn't get into agriculture. (laughs) (laughs) Instead, I resolved to create my own hero, a superhero, one who represented the spectrum in all its glory. His name was socially awkward man (laughs) now to fully appreciate socially awkward man you have to understand the very concept of awkward which is defined as an adjective a feeling of embarrassment discomfort or abnormality good call if music is the universal language then awkward is the universal feeling awkward works in mysterious ways Sometimes it's a handshake that was meant to be a high five. Other times it's telling the guy who works at the movie theater to enjoy the movie too. (laughs) Awkward comes, I've actually done that. Have a great time. Thanks, you too. (laughs) Awkward comes in so many forms. Meeting your girlfriend's parents, getting socks as a birthday present, which I've done. So oopsie chicken. My son actually told me for Christmas, he's like, no shirts, mom. (laughs) I don't need any more shirts. a friend request that turned out to be a computer virus, on and on. Awkwardness might be the defining emotion of being on the spectrum. I myself am quite awkward, though my awkwardness was born out of the best intentions. It's not that I had no social skills. It's just that my social skills put me out of step with the other kids of my generation. Hmm. Holding the door for classmates? Awkward. Smiling and using your manners? Awkward. So he goes on all this. Yeah, I think I like to think socially awkward man is a part of all of us. Truth. When you strive for perfection, you live in the shadow of potential failure and humiliation. The fear that you second you mess up, no one will take you seriously anymore. Socially awkward man is the part of yourself that reminds you that we're all human. We all look a little stupid sometimes. At some point in your life, you will trip over backwards, land in a puddle, and have people pointing and laughing at you. True story. I have had that happen. Um, so he, go, he goes on a little bit about his experience with being alone and lonely. Mm-hmm. And this is a guy who's on stage in front of hundreds of people many times a year. And he also experiences this. But he, you have to understand, too, that we were just talking about people who write scripts for social interaction. People yep. write specific things so that they can have a clear conversation, even if it's just with a cashier at a grocery store. Yeah. Michael is extremely comfortable with his script that yes. he does on stage. Yes. And he is an amazing comic because he can do that script. Yes. And most autistic people will tell you is once they're off script and they have to have a conversation about something that could be small talk, could be just having a brief I mean, who likes small talk? Small talk is like having a a wedgie. That causes a lot of anxiety because it's not a predictable conversation to have. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of challenges with that. And so a lot of people on the spectrum do have that social anxiety. What do I say? How do I say it? Is it being perceived properly? Do I have the right facial expression to go with what I'm saying? Is my gesture too big or too little? What is going on here? And this is all challenges that they, that run through their mind as they're trying to have a conversation. Yep. Which then leads to our whole sometimes choice of alone because the anxiety around having that conversation in your head before every social interaction is greater than the anxiety of just staying home. Yeah. But it can become a really vicious cycle where if you if you don't practice, you're not going to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, I would credit my son having a job for the last 18 months for a huge improvement on some of his, and he's always been extremely social because we've never given him a choice. And we were lucky that his autism didn't prevent with a huge amount of anxiety around being social. Mm -hmm. And he's a bit of a clown. So Mm -hmm. thumbs up on that. Not sure where he gets that from. That's a aberration in our, I don't know. Um, So to Paulette's point, and, and she's phenomenal at recognizing the difference for people. Mm -hmm. And I've really admired how, when you're talking about clients or situations, her commitment is to meet people where they are and assess their level of alone versus lonely Mm -hmm. and then help them kind of figure out 
you know, is that something they should work on or not? Have you been in a situation where they're just comfy cozy? Like there's not been a, a, a mental health issue around being alone? Okay. The only time that I've ever encountered that was a wonderful gentleman who uh, basically slept all day. Oh dear. Up, yeah. He was up all night gaming internationally playing D and D. So his social outlet and his social communication was very safe for him because it was all text-based. He was very comfortable with that. He was so happy with his life, but he wasn't getting out of the house. He wasn't interacting with people. Yep. He wasn't taking care of his health. It just was not a successful individual, but he had friends from all around the world. Are they though? No, like, I, just, I struggle me, with that. No, let me finish this story. Sorry. Because this gentleman, he was 29 when he was living this lifestyle. He lived with his father, both him and his father are on disability supports. And he was up all night gaming D&D. Unfortunately, because he was not taking care of his health, he did suffer from a massive heart attack and pass away. Well, and that we ended this, darkly. <laughs> it did end darkly, but I want you to think about this. When he passed away and he wasn't on D&D websites every night playing the games, people from all over the world started researching what happened to this guy. They knew his name. They knew his situation because of the chats they had. Mm -hmm. They didn't know his health, right? Mm -hmm. But they found his obituary. Oh. Someone in Germany found his obituary, and he's from Ontario. They read his obituary. All the people on that D&D site, some of them were from Asia, some of them were from Europe, some of them were from Australia. They got together and raised some money to give to the family. Aww. the family now so were those people just people he was chatting to with on a on a game site or were they his friends i get you know what i think that's again a societal perception because i'm not from a generation so i'm only 50 which you know not ancient by any stretch however i you know being born in 1970 technology was like we had rotary dial phones until i was in my teens and 20s like a push button phone was you know, we had either a dial phone or a push button phone. I remember getting a, like, I think they called them a hamburger phone. Like it was a phone that, that flipped open, mm -hmm. right? Like, but it was a landline. That was huge. I saw my first computer. I was probably 12. Like a phone was not, I know, right? Um, and I mean, like we were an advanced family. My dad enjoyed technology. I mean, he's, he's been gone 30 years. So this technology would blow his mind. We got Pong, mm -hmm. some kind of, you know, daily video game. And we were like, everybody was, yeah. that was high tech. So I didn't grow up in a generation where it, relationships were made online. You had no choice but to either face-to-face, -face, you had to deal. There was nowhere to escape and, and still connect with people. Mm -hmm. So I think part of me is, well, hang on. Like you can, you can make friends face-to-face. -face. Like I think. Well, and the studies prove that face-to-face -face friendships are better for you because it, it improves your health. It improves, uh, a lot of a lot of the emotional needs help improve your physical well-being agreed right so having that physical contact that connection talking to people face to face not right now by the way just so we're clear we are not recommending that you break covid protocols and go out and go huggy huggy with people because that's that's not okay right now however sorry i don't mean to, i'm not making light of it no seriously no. we are not telling people to go out right now and do that but if you can safely and socially distanced mm -hmm. preferably outside somehow yeah meet with somebody once a week you know checking their social bubble and whatever again not making light i'm being dead serious we do strongly encourage face-to-face -face conversation but just recognizing we're you know if you hear this in a couple of years we're in the middle of a pandemic face-to-face <laughs> yeah. -face is a little sketchy right now but Sorry. it is one of those things that is very important for you to understand that this loneliness causes physical health. Oh, 
and we've all experienced some form of loneliness in our time, but how much of it is causing all the, the things. One of the articles we have here starts yeah. talking about, this is the analogy they give. Uh, loneliness itself can have an impact on your health, both mentally and physically. Mm -hmm. Not only does it contribute to worsening our self-esteem, but chronic loneliness is found to impact our physical well-being in the same negative manner, manner that smoking 15, six cigarettes a day does. Wow. Well, that's one of that the, is, that's frightening. Being a non -smoker. It's very frightening. Yeah. There's another one here called why too much solitude can be bad for you. Um, mm -hmm. Now the articles directed to, to the neurotypical population. It's not the other articles we're reading are either from or about or written by um, people on the spectrum, but physical impact is physical impact, regardless of your neural makeup. And mm -hmm. They say here, there are effects of loneliness on the brain and body. Some effects work subtly through the exposure of multiple body systems to excessive amounts of stress hormones. That cortisol is a nasty little SOB. Yet the effects are distinct enough to be measured over time so that unmet social needs take a serious toll on health, eroding our arteries, creating high blood pressure and undermining learning and memory. Mm -hmm. That could explain a lot about us right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, risk of suicide increases, higher mm -hmm. levels of perceived stress, social interactions of lonely people are not as positive, um, mm -hmm. which I think causes a pretty nasty cycle. Loneliness raises levels of stress hormones and, and blood pressure, which I think goes to your point about smoking. Um, this is the big one, which, which supports what you said before, loneliness destroys the quality and efficiency of sleep. Mm -hmm. So that sleep mm -hmm. is less restorative, both physically and psychologically. Lonely people wake up more at night and spend less time in bed actually sleeping than do non-lonely people. I giggle because she raised her hand, but we're also at getting to an age where our sleep is interrupted for other reasons. Um, yeah, but you know, because of social isolation. For sure, 100%. Sleep is so off base. Yep. And Paulette comes over once a week. So we practice, we are in each other's social bubble. I know that Paulette, you know, goes out as, as little as I do and is as conscientious as I am. So we've made an effort to continue once a week face to face meetings because we both need that and we can do it safely. Mm -hmm. And we're actually in talks right now um, of maybe going up to twice a week because. I live in a house with three other people, so mm -hmm. a bit of a difference. Paulette's not able to see her family that much. She, she and her husband in her house. And introvert or otherwise, you're very social. Mm -hmm. You enjoy, I mean, she's a very talented artist. She loves reading. She loves um, knitting and being creative. And, and why are you giving me a hairy eyeball? Am I wrong? I, I, I haven't knit for years, but I used to knit continuously, yes. But, but you, the creative process, just in general, yes, yes, is a, is a shared experience usually. Mm -hmm. So we like we did arts and crafts over the summer, um, a few times, and I've got watercolor supplies here in case we need to break those out. But so, the point of me sharing that is that we are not saying that loneliness and being alone is strictly an autism thing. It is an everybody thing. Everybody needs to make effort. Everybody has moments where they've, you know, got a zit on their forehead or just don't feel like it or whatever. Um, and when I read that quick article that I just referenced from, I said, even once a month, mm -hmm. once a month, plan it. Find somebody who you can meet with once a month, who does not trigger your anxiety mm -hmm. and make it happen. That can be enough for a lot of folks yeah. to stave off some of these um, negative impacts. Would you agree on that? Absolutely. Uh, one of the articles that we read, uh, we have here gives uh, different things that you can do if you're feeling lonely. Oh, cool. Where's that? Oh, yeah. What can you do? It says go online okay. because right now on the online forum, especially with COVID is how we are surviving, yep. but make your special interest a social event. Now, this is one thing that I used to recommend to all my clients in the past. 
if you don't have that social outlet, go to this website called meetup.com, find a bunch of people that are interested in something you're interested in, yep. and just join them. You don't have to have an in-depth conversation with them. Some of those groups are hiking groups. So if you like to hike, you go on a hike with people. You talk as much as you want or as little as you want until yep. you get to know them and you feel comfortable with them. Yep. Some of them are singing groups where everybody gathers at a certain location and uh, does uh, they all sing the same song under direction from a musical director. Oh, there's, um, there's my choir, choir, choir. Is and again, we're in a pandemic. We're not recommending you go out and sing in a group. Um, however, you can sing through Zoom successfully yep. because if you watch the Toronto Symphony Orchestra right now is putting out um, their members from home are recording sections of different movements mm -hmm. or what have you. And they're putting that together. Um, the cast of Hamilton actually mm -hmm. put together a surprise thing. There's, there's stuff from Broadway. There's all kinds of things. So you can do a lot of this socially distanced. And yeah. But one of the things that one of the articles uh, clearly talks about, and this is one of the things I think for a lot of people, when you have social anxiety, you start to get embarrassed and you start to feel shame because yes. you, you don't know how to interact. You don't know what you're doing. This article clearly states, you shouldn't feel embarrassed about loneliness. Many people feel lonely, but don't ever admit it to others in fear of being ridiculed or rejected. Yeah. So people don't talk about how they're feeling lonely. However, social isolation should be taken seriously. No one likes feeling alone, but sadly, it's startling um, the amount of people in the world today that do feel lonely. Remember to take baby steps to becoming social and turn to trusted friends or family for support. As long as you believe in yourself and you have motivation to form connections again, you will get there. Mm -hmm. On the flip side, if you ever see someone while you're out and about who looks lonely or depressed, maybe reach out to them. A simple, how are you feeling? Or, hey, how's it going? Yeah. And this is something a lot of people look at me and they think I'm weird because I do occasionally travel on the Toronto transit system and I will strike a conversation with people who are sitting beside me. I do that all the time. And my family's like, mom, why do you have to talk to everybody? I'm like, cause they don't have horns. Like what's, what's your problem? And I think that's a you issue, not a me issue. But I think you'll talk to anybody. I'm like, but yeah. it's amazing when you just say hi to someone and a smile lights up their face because they've been lonely. Yeah. Right. And there's a lot of people out there that are lonely in, in this era where everyone rocks around with earbuds or headphones on oh, I know. in isolation in public. Take them off. Talk to people. Say hi. Have a conversation. Can I share a funny story? Yes, please. Freaking hysterical. So two years ago, two, three years ago, I uh, was flying to Las Vegas for a work project. Mm -hmm. And um, of course, post 9-11, getting to the U.S. is a bit of a pain in the ass. And I was supposed to have my Nexus interview. And of course, that got canceled. Thank you, COVID. Um, anyway. So we're all standing in line. And of course, it's quite early in the morning and everybody's on their phone, right? Mm -hmm. And there was this security guard. Um, and I'm not diminishing her position. I'm, she was a security personnel, whatever she was. My, I took a picture with her when she was done. She's like, people, good morning. Welcome to your life. Did it come in here? Get your freaking faces off your phone. Speak to the people behind you. Speak to the people in front of you. Speak to your children. You're trapped here anyway. You might as well. Come on. Let's make this a fun time. And I'm like, I love you so much right now. Like she was from, you know, Barbados or Jamaica or something. She was an absolute treat. And I got up to, totally inappropriate. I got up to the front of the line. I'm like, you're fantastic. And I don't do this. I am not a ask for a selfie kind of girl, but I'm like, can I take a picture with you? Cause that was amazing because everybody started putting their phones down. They had to be shamed into doing it. <laughs> but they started putting their phones down, talking to their kids, talking to the people behind them. And I, that's always been easy for me. Mm -hmm. Like with the Vegas thing, Okay, another quick story. Sorry, I, I got a lot of stories. Standing in line very early in the morning at the, the hotel I was in, in the line for Starbucks. And I turned and I swear to you, 200 feet away, there was a woman without pants. I swear. But it was early. 
And, you know, lighting in casinos is a little bit dodgy. And this was an older hotel. So, you know, anyway, I turned to the gentleman behind me and I said, hey, you don't know me. Nice to meet you. I need you to do me a solid. And he's like, okay. I said, there's a lady standing. This is where she is. I need you to tell me if she's wearing pants. (laughs) (laughs) And no word of a lie, the guy looks at me and he's like, just a sec. (laughs) (laughs) Turns, his face kind of went, ah! (laughs) Turns back and he's like, nope, I don't think she is. So as I'm traveling through the line, processing this situation, my colleague who's giving me a lift to the conference center, I'm like, Chris, there's a woman walking around and she has no pants on. He doesn't even blink. And he looks at me and he's like, you mean the woman standing to your left? (laughs) I kid you not. The image is burnt onto my corneas and I turn. And sure enough, (laughs) she's not wearing pants and she's barely wearing shorts that fit her, you know, a long time ago. (laughs) And I was like, oh, I didn't even know what to say to that. So I don't recommend that as a means of starting a conversation, but it's, it can happen. (laughs) It could come down to, I actually had a doctor I work for also ask me to look out the window at a woman across the street and tell her if she was wearing pants. So that seems to be a common theme in my life. <laughs> Plush, flesh-colored spandex, which isn't attractive on anybody. Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> so, sorry. But that's, honestly, I will talk to anybody about anything as long as they have something to say. It's where the conversation is so stilted and you just don't have, like, there's no connection, there's no commonality, there's no nothing. I'm here to tell you folks that happens to everybody mm-hmm. and I will extricate myself post haste and be like, so nice talking to you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I will bounce because I can't do it. Yeah. I have no skill to talk to somebody about nothing. I don't know how people do that, but like there has to be some context to it. There has to be something that, that you're connected to, even if it's the lady with no pants. Um, I'm telling you. And I saw her later. I want to, I mean, that's another story because that was, scary it was scary and she still had no appropriate pants on (laughs) um but that's every everybody like this is where we're not trying to minimize the difficulties by any stretch in no way trying to minimize the anxiety that might be happening but to reassure you that everybody has struggles with it there's ways of getting around it if you're interested in it and that spending time on your own has physical and mental benefits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There is a positive case for taking time to pause and recharge. Like Paulette and I have both mentioned after large social gatherings, we both need time yep. to just process and, you know, get rid of the extraneous caca and whatever. But when a couple of days stretches into a couple of weeks and then into a couple of months, and you are relying solely on online engagement for social interaction, that is not good. No. And so what we're trying to do is demonstrate that there is a balance. And this was one of the, um, so this fella, Rex Emerson Jackson, I shouldn't say fella, I apologize, because he identifies as non-binary. They identify as non-binary. Says... I learned that most conventional university experiences, we were talking about getting out and, and things of being social, are full of noise, full of people, and full of a crowd of young people who seem to me to move as one in their perhaps instinctual understanding of what a party is or what a get-together is. They used to confuse me a bit too. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be perfectly content if it was acceptable to sit at the edge of a party or just outside it far enough from the noise and be part of it by solitarily enjoying the proximity. I love to listen. So many autistic people I talk to want to be a part of it, but just because we enjoy the fringes doesn't mean we're not enjoying it at all. I enjoy the fringes the most. I spend almost all of my time alone. Someone might assume I'm sick or maybe depressed. 
Um, and I do have bipolar as a comorbid diagnosis, which adds a new flavor to this, but frankly, I just like to be alone. For me, in these years since graduating school, where I'm no longer required to be a part of a crowd constantly, I've learned I am much healthier when it's just me. I can keep my emotions regulated. I can recover from a meltdown. Not only that, there are fewer meltdowns because I'm dealing with less at a time. This does not equal antisocial. Mm -hmm. um, but he does say that it's about balance. Mm -hmm. That... Um, the second page. I'm not someone who avoids social interaction at yeah. all contests, Cont at all costs. Cost, yeah. Ooh. Right. Um, yeah. When people, when I couldn't talk to people and it caused me so much stress and anguish that my dad started writing scripts. So this is the gentleman that, that had scripts written for him, what to say yeah. at, at different times. The scripts work so well that I started writing my own scripts. I have this whole script system laid out in my head like a library with of flowcharts. All easier stuff like pleasantries are there. Conversations with cashiers about the weather or what holiday is coming up are there. Mm -hmm. And then there are the specific situations like an outing with a friend or a volunteer. Mm -hmm. Those take time to create and are more involved when you're writing those scripts, but it is something that does help them. There are more variables and I write scripts for every variable I can think of. Once I've got scripts, I play the, in the interaction in my head visually. Mm -hmm. This comes from the theater training that he's had. And uh, he, he also, how close do you stand? What do I do with my hands? What door will I enter? What, will we be walking or standing still? What are the escape exits just in case I need to escape from this? Mm -hmm. If I'm lucky enough, to have been there before, to have a visual picture of, of the place in my mind. It's like playing Barbies in my imagination. So he is very aware of that he is using scripts and how to use them successfully for social interactions. Yep. But I'm sure he's learned and he's grown from that to actually have he, more flexible yeah. conversations, right? So it's, it's got me thinking. So the last piece of what we need to discuss is loneliness. So we talked about what alone is and the mm -hmm. definition for that. Um, and then I didn't look it up, which is you know, not great. So one second. Um, sadness, because one has no friends or company. Mm -hmm. Quality um, of being unfriendly. <laughs> this, is, this is a place because a place can be described as being lonely. Mm -hmm. um, unfrequented, remote, and isolated. And the fact of being without companions and solitariness. So I think what it comes down to is that if you're comfortable and happy being alone, mm -hmm. then you've found a balance that works for you between social engagement and online activity and, and alone time. However, if what you're finding is that you're sad when you're alone, and that you're not able to participate in anything anywhere. Now we're venturing into loneliness and this is where mental health becomes a huge concern. And this is where taking these steps is, is vital mm -hmm. in some way. And as I mentioned before, even if it's only once a month that you venture out to be social with somebody, mm -hmm. that can be enough. Yeah. But not doing anything and noticing that now your alone time consists more of you being sad and reflecting on other things and wanting to be with people, that's where some action is, is needed. And Paulette made a really fantastic suggestion from the article about taking an interest and, you know, finding some communities online, finding mm -hmm. some meetups or whatever. Um, this concept is one of the main drivers for why we have created Socially ASD, the not-for-profit that we're running. That is specifically designed for people on the spectrum and by people on the spectrum to offer social opportunities on their terms. Mm -hmm. And we just met with our board last night, who is 50% people on the spectrum. And we've set up three, is it three social? Two and one tentative for January, yeah. Yeah. We're trying it out with our board first so that we can iron out the situations. Um, but it's, it's our folks on the board who are dictating what the activities are. We're doing a games night. 
actually we end every board meeting with games. <laughs> <laughs> so this, the reason we're sharing this, I'm sharing this is that Jackbox TV is a really neat tool that we didn't know about. Aiden is our games master and he is in charge of what games we play and what have you. And he's found this tool, but they're all um, team games mm -hmm. or competition games. So it's not something you can go on like Minecraft or whatever and, and play on your own. This you require another person somehow. So we're doing that. Then we have another member. Um, I asked if it wouldn't be too um, dorky if we could do a Christmas craft. But because we don't want to make anybody go out and get Christmas supplies, I said, um, can we do paper snowflakes? Which might sound goofy, but honestly, if you've seen some of the art, they're freaking stunning. And who doesn't have scissors and a piece of paper? So we're doing that, which will probably also end in games. Um, but it's not just a paper snowflake. It's a 3D paper snowflake. I know. Fern's like... <laughs> He's all over it. Just, yeah, she just said, I've got about 10 ideas floating through my head right now. Oh, for man. She's fantastic. Just the creativity that comes out of her isn't her, they, sorry, she's, she's non-binary. Um, so there are ways, you know, if you're on WhatsApp, I'm doing this with my family for an example for Christmas. I have family in BC, I have family in Toronto, and I have family in the UK. And I have sent out a request that we use this Jackbox TV or a, uh, a different platform. And on Christmas Day, we, we, there appears to be a window where BC is up, Ontario is okay, and UK hasn't gone to bed yet, where <laughs> we spend an hour playing games. Cause, yeah, but there's, there's options, guys. There's, and I would love, if you've got something that's been working for you, online or face-to-face -face or whatever, please share. Like we know people are listening because we're getting plays. We would love to hear your suggestions because you know better than we do what works and what doesn't. Um, our social ASD board has introduced us to things we didn't even know existed, which has been amazing. But if you've managed to turn an interest into an activity, if you've managed to connect somehow, please, we would love to hear it. Mm -hmm because we can then share it on and, and help other folks who are dealing with being lonely versus alone. Yeah. I think that's it. I think we've covered it. I think so that's all we have. What's that? Just in summary. Just in summary, please wear pants in public. <laughs> I gotta tell you, people like me see you and we have to ask strangers to verify that you don't have pants on. <laughs> Which freaks you the stink out. Well, that's a lovely summary. Thank you, Elizabeth. <laughs> I was thinking more of a little different summary. If you are feeling lonely, Sad. take a small step. Yeah. And if you don't know how to take that step, reach out for help. Which would also be a small step. So try again. <laughs> it, it, reaching out for help is a big step, but it is something that you can do. Um, and it doesn't have to be, I need help. It could be, if you're living at home with your parents, mom, mm -hmm. do you want to play cards? I, and I'm, again, totally generalizing here. If you have a friend online that you haven't reached out to in a while, you know, WhatsApp or one of the games platforms or whatever. Or even, I'm sorry, just Facebook. I use Facebook. I actually took a break from Facebook, but today's my mom's birthday and, um, and she passed away last year. So it's a bit of a rough day. Mm -hmm. So I'm feeling a little bit lonely. Yeah. There you go. And because, yeah, because we used to make a big deal out of my mom's birthday. Mm -hmm. um, and, oh, sorry. And I know we've gone on a bit, but situational loneliness. So there are times in your life, even though you are socially engaging and getting out there, whether it's once a month, once a week, something can cause you to feel lonely. Like me missing my mom today, mm -hmm. because we always went out to dinner and did movies and made, I gave her multiple surprise parties and, and whatever. That's okay. Yeah. We're not talking about if it happens once in a while. We're talking if every day you wake up feeling sad and prefer to go back to bed, that's, that's when things are going off the rails a little bit. Sorry, I just struck me that we should clarify. Yeah. Um, any more wrapping up? No, I think we've covered it. Yeah, again, we would be thrilled. Let's hear from you. Um, mm -hmm. Please share with us if something has worked. If you agree or disagree with what we're saying, share that as well.
Mm-hmm. Um, if you got a story to add, story to share, let us know. Yeah. I think we're good. Um, coming up, we're going to be discussing executive function tools. We're, I mean, super exciting, but necessary. Um, my, I know, but my son always like, mom, you're so organized. I'm like, that's because I have ADD. And if I'm not organized, things don't get done. So I use multiple tools to help me with that. We've got some guests coming up shortly. Um, members of our socially ASD board are going to be coming on as guests, which is going to be super cool. Uh, and that's it, I think. Perfect. I think we're done. So thanks for listening, everybody. We really appreciate it. Uh, I hope if we've helped you out today, that's great. If we haven't, we'll try harder next time. Um, and I get to see you next week. So that's awesome. She's laughing. laughing at me. I'm just talking. Mean. Yeah. Everybody's it's been laughing. a great conversation today. I really enjoyed this. So hopefully we can uh, have another one, a really exciting conversation about executive functioning next time. <laughs> I wish we recorded the video bad hair day or not because she's making this face just like <laughs> we're gonna rock that executive function baby all right thanks for listening everybody we really appreciate it and we'll talk to you soon bye-bye bye Say you